Well, I was going back and forth on where to actually go on this birthday Sunday when it came to preaching in the Word, and especially as we talk about our new theme for this upcoming year, which is family, walk family, and how we grow deeper into family. I was actually challenged uh, this year, a, a brother told me, he said, you know, when it comes to church planning, that we shouldn't set out to plant a church, we should set out to start a family, Amen. Amen. And, and, and that, that touched me. And I know that we talk about family here at Walk Church and we use that language, but I think we can even grow deeper into what it means for the church not to be like family. Like, Joe, you're like my brother, you know. Dorlisa, you're like my sister. But to actually say, no, you are my sister. You are my brother. And for us to actually live that together. So this year we're diving deeper into that. And so I was like, okay, Lord, so how do we talk about it? And I felt like the Lord said, well, just pick it up right where you left off last week. In Ephesians 4, I have a word specifically timed out for this day in our on-off series. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll pick it up right where we left off in verse 32. When you get there, say, I'm there. Y'all are quick flippers. Man. All right, maybe you got a holy glow on your face, you, your, your Bible's charged up today, you're logged on. If you got your iPhone or if you got your eyelids, uh, we got a screen for you, and we're ready to dive into this verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Father, before we eat today, we want to just go ahead and pray one more time. God, bless this meal. Bless this food. Bless this word. And speak to us today. Help us to leave changed. More like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ephesians 4.32 says it like this. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. It's God in Christ forgave you. I, I want to preach a message to you today that's simply titled, Kindness is Contagious. Kindness is Contagious. As I was thinking about this upcoming year and studying for this message, the Lord put a challenge on my heart, and that's for our church to grow in the area of kindness. I've realized the more I've talked with people that have ceased from coming to church where they once used to go, and, and, and now they don't anymore, a lot of times it links back to people in the church not living out this verse. That there was not a spirit of kindness, and therefore people thought, you know what, this church isn't living out what it's called to live out, which is Ephesians 4.32. So we've been in this series called On and Off, where we're putting off the old self, putting on the new self, we're discovering what that new self is, right? The new self is Jesus, right? We're becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. And one thing that the Lord is, come on, amen, can I get a witness? He's kind. Amen. That the Lord has been kind to us this past year. I want to talk about what it looks like for us to be more kind this year, individually and uh, corporately, more kind, more tender-hearted, more forgiving, more like Jesus, more like Christ. What is kindness? The definition for kindness is to show a friendly 
or generous or have a considerate type of nature. I was looking at this word kind. And I noticed that the word kind uh, is not something that we're called to necessarily do as much as who we're supposed to be. I was challenged by that. Because I, I think I once read it as do kind stuff. But this text says that this is an identity we should have. That kindness is not just something we should do, it's something we should be. Amen? So we're going to talk about what it means to uh, be kind. And this is an issue that is, is thoroughly big, biblical because kindness, I'm realizing, is a characteristic of Christ. That kindness is who Jesus is. Now maybe you would be like, man, I don't know about all that. Let's go ahead and prove it through the scriptures. Luke chapter 6 says it like this. Love your enemies. Walk church. If we live this out, our church will grow. It's not easy, but Jesus did it. It says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Ouch. Lend to them. Ouch. Without expecting to get, ah, this is getting worse. It's getting better. Then your reward will be great. God says, I'm not going to miss that. I got you. And you will be children of the most high because he is, say it with me, kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. You know that all of us once found ourselves in the category of ungrateful and wicked. Do not deceive yourself like this isn't you. This is me, you, and your mama too, all right? No diss. Love your mom. But, but all have fallen short of the glory of God. The mark on our lives is to give God glory. We've all blown that. We've all fallen short. So, so that has made us ungrateful and wicked, and God in his kindness says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give my son what you deserve, which is death on a cross. And by his kindness, he rose himself from the grave, defeating death and hell and Satan, saying, I want, I want this church to be more like me. To, to be kind. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 is an incredible verse. It says, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Right? I think some people have missed it thinking it's God's heavy hammer, his lightning bolt that'll strike you, that will lead you to repentance. No, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That means that we should wake up the birds are chirping, and the sun is out, and God's given us breath to breathe. He's given us food to eat. He's given us a mind that thinks, and we should say, man, I don't want sin. God's been so kind to me. We should look at Jesus and say, man, God has been kind. He has forbearance. God has been so patient, I'm not going back to sin. That's the gospel. The gospel is Jesus has been so kind to us that sin is less attractive. Right, Sin, which used to be something we enjoyed, now is something we despise because God is better. We, we, we laser focus on his kindness and we say, man, I want more of that. I want to be more like that. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Galatians 5 verse 22 says, the fruit of Jesus, the fruit of the spirit, and the spirit is the spirit of Christ, is love, say love, Joy, say joy. joy. Peace, say peace. peace. Patience, say patience. And kindness. kindness. 
that the, the church is almost like this tree. The Bible speaks in metaphors at times. And we're this big, beautiful tree, and we're hanging on to Jesus. And he says, if you hang on long enough, there's going to be some fruit that pops out of you. Like, And you know what that fruit is? It's going to be kind. And I really do think that people in Las Vegas are looking to pull from a kind tree. They're like walking around like, can somebody just be kind to me? I mean, I don't know about you, but I just go to so many places and I'm like, you hate your job, don't you? You are so not kind. You know, like, I might be talking to some of y'all in here. I, I tell our ministry team all the time here, man, we have, to, we have to be leaders in the area of kindness, right? Like, we have to have a life-giving atmosphere because the world is so opposite at times, right? That, that this should be our identity, that people should experience with the church love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It keeps going. Self-control. Right? Kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. How about 1 Corinthians 13? It talks about love. And 1 John says that God is love. So if you looked up love in the dictionary, you should just see God. Like God in himself is love. And here's some descriptors of love. Love is patient and love is kind. Kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. Love is kind. God is love. We are his body. The church is known as the bride of Christ, and Jesus' wife is a loving wife. The church is known as the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is called to be like our head, right? And we're called to be kind. So kindness is something we should be because that's a characteristic of Jesus. We're being more like we're putting on him, right? Putting on kindness. But not only that, kindness needs to be a characteristic of us. It needs to be something that we prioritize. Proverbs 21, 21 would be a good salesman verse for kindness. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Read this with me. Ready? One, two, three. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. If you're looking for these things in life, you're like, man, I just want to experience life. I want more life. The most hilarious thing someone once told me when I became a Christian, they said, don't you want to live? I was like, what's living? This is life. Right? Like, like, like this is found, life is found in Jesus. Crazy? You'll find life in Christ. You'll find life when you start to walk in his righteousness and kindness. You'll, you'll find righteousness when you start living righteous. <laughs> this one's not too difficult, right? Solomon's like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen when they, people pursue righteousness and kindness. Ah, they'll get righteousness and honor. Uh, we're, we're trying to establish an honoring culture here at church where we honor people above us, we honor people below us, we honor people all around us. Well, that's happening when we start to live out the principles of kindness, that we are called to be kind. Let me talk to just the ladies in the room for a second. I speak to the women of God in here and, and speak to the ladies just for a moment. Hey, ladies, uh, I got a word for you. It's found in Proverbs 31. I know we got a lot of Proverbs 31 women in the house. Y'all are like, yeah, amen. Well, this is your verse, all right? Everyone that's clapping, receive it too, right? She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So all the women in the house, use this as an examiner and say, okay. If I really am going to be the woman God's called me to be, the teaching, how about kindness is a teaching? We're, we're teaching people how to be kind. Some of the kindest women I know are in this church. 
Amen? And they're living out this verse. And I want to just go ahead and I want to go ahead and give this to you. I want to exhort it to you to say, okay, how can women of God in our church say, you know what, I'm going to be more kind this year. I'm going to live this out. I'm going to open my mouth with wisdom, and I'm going to teach kindness. What's on my tongue is kindness. Wives in the room, husbands, don't amen this. Wives in the room, teach kindness. Amen? Moms in the room, teach kindness. Right? Sisters in the room, teach kindness. Let that be on your tongue. Amen? Amen. Right? Amen. Yeah. We got like three people clapping. Um, now, now, all my brothers and my men in the room are like, man, I escaped that one. I'm coming right for you. Let me talk to all the men in the room as well. The proverb has a statement for you. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 22. What is desired in a man? Come on, ladies. Give me an amen. amen. What is desired in a man is kindness. The poor man is better than a liar. Just saying, brothers in the room, people are desiring for you to be kind. Men of God in the room, raise up today and say, I'm going to figure out how to be more kind. I'm going to learn what it, I might have to learn from a woman because she's got the teaching of kindness and she's desiring for you to be more kind. This is a verse for me. I'm receiving it today. I'm downloading Proverbs 19 into my heart and saying, okay, God, I want to put this into action this year, right? I want to surround myself with people that can say, hey, Pastor Hyde, you know what? That wasn't really kind because I don't want to get bitter. I want to get better, right? This year, we're celebrating. This is a milestone moment. Let's turn the corner and get better this year. What are we getting better with? We're getting better with being kind. A church that's kind will grow. A church that's kind is attractive, a church that's kind, people want to be around. A church that's kind will make disciples. A church that's kind will exude Jesus, amen? Let's be a church that is kind. It's what's desired. It's what's desired from our men. Like, I know that we, we as men, we need to be tough. We need to be leaders, but we need to be tough, kind leaders. Because you know who is that? Jesus. It's him. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says that he has told you. And you're like, he never told me. Well, I'm telling you now. This is your moment. He has told you, oh man. Everybody say, oh man. Oh man. man. This is the oh man verse right here. He's told you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you, Walk Church? To do justice. To love kindness. To not just be kind. To not just teach kind. But man, ouch, God, to love kind, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's the calling on our lives. If we can do justice this year, if we can love kindness this year, if we can walk humbly this year, God is going to do miracles. We'll see revival hit our city if we can love kindness. Amen? Let's go ahead and put that into practice. We're called to practice kindness, church. Y'all know that? Nothing. No feedback. Okay. (laughs) Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9. Let me go and show it to you. Thus has the Lord of hosts said, dispense true justice. Y'all ever seen those little dispensers? The church, the pezes, the church should be a a, a dispenser of justice and practicing kindness. This is something we got to practice. Some of y'all are like, Practice? (laughs) Practice? Yeah, Christianity is not just a Sunday thing. Y'all know that, right? 
This is a Monday thing, church. This is a Tuesday thing, church. This is a Wednesday thing, church. This is a Thursday thing, church. This is a Friday thing, church. This is a Saturday thing, church. This is a Sunday thing, church. This is a Monday thing, church. <laughs> this is everyday practice. Help each other. When I played college basketball, when I played professional basketball, if I messed up on a play, some people like, yo, you messed up on the play. You needed to go this way. You needed to set the screen. You needed to do that. Hell, let's help each other run the plays. Like, yo, you got to practice kindness. I know you don't feel like it, but you just got to go to practice still. You still got to go to practice. Oh, <laughs> Whoa. And that delayed, yeah. Right? You still got to go to practice. Come on, right? We got to go to practice, and here, what are we practicing? We're practicing kindness because kindness is like our Savior. He's our head coach. He set the plays for us. We got to dispense true justice, and we got to practice kindness. Colossians 3.12 says it like this. Put on, right, a put on verse. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, if you are in Christ, you're a chosen one. You've received him. He chose you at the cross. It's your choice to reject or to receive. I hope you would receive him. As God's chosen ones, holy and loved, beloved, compassionate hearts and kindness. Put that on, church. Like, like, this, like this jacket, put on kindness. God will bless it. Dr. Charles Stanley, he says it like this. Kindness can change your family. Amen? Kindness can change your working location. Kindness can change your friendships. Kindness can change the people you mix with. Kindness changes everything. Amen? This is something that I think if our church can grasp, we might grow in. If we can see parents grow in kindness, if we can see children grow in kindness, if we can see brothers and sisters grow in kindness, if we can see families grow in kindness and spouses grow in kindness and leaders grow in kindness and, and flight attendants and servers and, and bankers and and, and entrepreneurs and baristas and baristos, I don't know if that was, can grow in kindness. And athletes can grow in kindness. It doesn't make you soft. It makes you like Jesus. This is a word for our generation. Amen? Look at the person next to you and say, friend, be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Let's keep reading. We're going to run out of time here. Let's keep on reading. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. I like to go to the, the Greek uh, when it comes to the original language. And I noticed that this word, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have a tough time with this word. The, the, the Greek word for tender-hearted is eusplachnos. That's at least how I pronounce it, splachnos. The, 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 the word eusplachnos Come on, say it with me. Ready? You splachnos. Splachnos. It, it's actually an image word. Because oftentimes the, the original language would speak with pictures. This was a picture of a movement within your stomach. It was deep within your bowels. It was so deep that it moved you to a level of compassionness. Some of your translations say, be kind to one another and compassionate. This is a deep, compassionate, tender hearted we have to remove the hard heart we got to ask god say god don't let me have a hard heart help me have a tender heart give me a filet mignon heart right a good one a good one like you flinch at the filet and it just i want one of those steaks come on right a tender heart 
that God can speak to and it won't harden, but it'll receive because it's a tender heart. You know, this word is also captured in Jesus's life, right? Everything that we're putting on is found in Christ. So let's look at Matthew chapter nine, just for a quick minute. Matthew nine, Jesus demonstrates this. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had splachnos. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the crowds, felt compassion. Jesus saw the crowds, felt compassion. Here's why. Because when he saw them, he noticed that they were harassed, that they were bothered, that they were hurt, that they were hindered. When he saw them, he said, these people need help. I wonder if when Jesus looks at our city, he says, there's some people here that need help. That Jesus is like, man, these are some people like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know what sheep without a shepherd are called? Lost. Going in circles. Saying, where do we go? I need direction. I need guidance. There's a lot of people in our city that are there. And Jesus says, I know that's true, and I choose to show them the direction through the church. That's why we got to be kind. That's why we need to be tenderhearted, walk church. That's why we need to see people. My hope that this year, walk church, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I hope this year we see people differently. Because Jesus saw people, his compassion was directly related to his seeing. And, and I want you to know this. We gotta see people, church. I've been growing in my understanding. I've been learning about our city, that that our city is in a tough place and in an exciting place. Forbes, Forbes Magazine released a statistic for 2019 and said that Las Vegas is currently the 11th fastest growing metropolitan city in the US. So it's 11th fastest growing, that, that, that's a, a big deal. People are moving to the city in droves. And May 19th, the United Census Bureau released a statement that says Henderson, Nevada is one of the fastest growing locations in America that 10,759 people have recently moved to the area of Henderson, which is kind of like a neighbor to where we're at, right? God's moving people to the city. We got to see them. Let's just not avoid them. Let's not think like, oh yeah, I don't see people. I just see God. God's like, well, I see people. God's like, yeah, I see people, though, and I'm compassionate about them. I was reading the World Population Review for 2019. The statement said that Las Vegas is sometimes referred to as the ninth island of Hawaii because so many from the state have moved to Las Vegas. As the Las Vegas Sun recently recorded, about 20% of all Hawaiians have visited Las Vegas in one year, and many stay. I just thought that was new. I, was, I, I want to see Hawaiian people. <laughs> Amen? Come on, Manu and Tina, right? Y'all, hey, brother, right? I just was reading about our city. Get to know your city. God's sending Hawaiian people to our city. It's what he's doing. It's what he's doing. He sent awesome ones here to walk church. I praise God for that. I want to grow in my Hawaiian culture. The Nevada Public Radio recently released a statistic that said Las Vegas has one of the highest homeless populations in the country. 
This past May, the Review Journal released an article stating, according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, Las Vegas is the smallest city among the 10 with the largest homeless populations. Coming in at number eight, a point in time and count in January for Clark County totaled 6,490 homeless people. It's estimated that there are 1,500 homeless kids enrolled in schools in the Clark County School District. 1,500, church. Do you see them? Do you, do you see them? Do you just think that they're just riding their bike across the crosswalk? Maybe you should think, I wonder if this kid is homeless. We need to see people. That's when you, get into, you begin to develop the usplachnos, where you start to look at people a little bit different. In the Review Journal in August 2019, this was last month, an article came out. Las Vegas is at the top of the list of 33 cities in which juvenile victims were given help and counseling for sex trafficking. There's 33 cities identified in America as, as cities where sex trafficking is happening. Las Vegas was number one. Do you see people? One lady reported in the article, these children are walking amongst us in Walmart. They are up and down the strip. They are in the casinos. They are sitting at bars. They are getting their hair and nails done in the salons. The question that I needed to ask myself that I had to ask you today, church, is are, are we seeing people the way Jesus did? Because our city is number one on these lists, and we can really be the change. Like sometimes we're praying for miracles, and God's like, I know I sent you. You're the miracle. Like you're breathing. You're healthy. You're strong. I've given you life. You're the miracle. That's why we encourage people to invite people to church because church is a hospital for broken people. You're the miracle. Amen? You're the miracle. We need to see people. The U.S. News and World Report just released an article on the most diverse college campuses in America. Ranking number one. UNLV as the most diverse undergraduate campus in the nation for the second year in a row. The nations are in our city. Diversity is part of our city. It's part of our makeup. How about this? This one shocked me and it challenged me. And the Nevada Current just released an article on mental health in America. In 2019, called the Statement or the State of Mental Health. Nevada places 51st on the list behind every other state when it comes to helping people with mental health. Nevada performed poorly in the majority of the report's measures among the most troubling of findings. Nevada had the highest percentage of youth coping with severe and major depression, 12.7%. The national average is 8%. Nevada has also the second highest percentage of adults with mental illness who received no treatment at all at 63%. Church, we got to rise up. Church, we got to grow up. Church, we got to say, okay, we've been given the gospel. We're called to be the solution. And I don't want to walk past that people here in our own church need help. And we need to grow as helping each other, that the body is healing each other and helping each other. But it's not going to happen if we don't see each other with you splatnos. Where I start to see people as not just, oh, yeah, that's a person. They messed up. They might have something real going on. 
And the, the church needs to be a hospital. Amen. amen. And I, I want us to be that this year. Amen. Yeah. I want us to be that this year. Let me go ahead and disclaimer. Just because one message was preached about it doesn't mean we're going to get it. It's going to be something that all year long I hope we grow in. So don't get bitter when it doesn't happen. Get better. And just say, okay, these people are growing too. This church is trying to figure it out too, but at least we're having the conversation, amen? At least we're not just putting on blinders and saying, oh, no, it's just Jesus. We're fine. No, we, Jesus wants to use you to see people and to heal people. And healed people heal people. Free people free people. But so do hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. So let's go ahead and be the church. Let's see people. Let's be kind. Let's have tender hearts. Amen. Let's go ahead and move into the last part of this message. We're going to try to go there quickly. Uh, be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another. Church, we got to be a forgiving church. Forgiving each other is so key. The word forgiveness by definition means to pardon somebody, to release somebody of their wrongdoing, of their mistake, to pardon, to forgive. I like how author Beth Moore says it. She says, forgiveness is not passivity, it's power. Sometimes we think, oh man, I'll just forgive you. I just, you know, I'm just gonna walk past it. No, forgiveness is power. You empower that person and they empower you. And Christ empowers us to be forgiving. He does. It's something that we're called to do, and it's something we're called to do well and often. I shared this statistic last week. 90% of all people in insane asylums could be released immediately if they would learn how to forgive. Blew my mind. Or be forgiven. There was once a Puritan preacher named Thomas Watson who wrote several good books, and we still look at lots of his works today. Thomas Watson said this. Here's the seven characteristics of forgiveness. Take a picture of it with your phone if you want, but help, help us to grow in it, Lord. He says, this is what it means to forgive. Y'all ready? To resist revenge. Amen? To not return evil for evil. Amen? To wish them well. It's a characteristic of forgiveness. To grieve at their calamities. To pray for their welfare. To seek reconciliation so far as it depends on you. And finally, to come to their aid in a moment of distress. Are we going to have all these figured out? No. But can we at least take them and say, okay, I want to I work on those things. Amen. So, okay, I want to apply these seven. I want to take a picture. We'll post this later on our social media, all these seven, so you can find them again and see them. Forgiveness is a cr crucial part of life. C.S. Lewis, the great philosopher, says that everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. It's like, man, you be forgiven until you, you have to forgive. And then you're like, man, this is tough. This is tough stuff. We're called to be forgiving people. We should be showing people pardon as, now watch this as we close this message, as, look at 432 with me, as, say it with me, as God in Christ forgave you. The measure of your forgiveness is directly tied to the level of his forgiveness toward you. So how much should we forgive 
is tied to how much he's forgiven you. Somebody say a whole lot. A whole lot, right? The measure of our kindness should be how kind God's been to us. The measure of our tenderheartedness should be how tenderhearted he's been toward us. The measure of our forgiveness should be measured toward how he has forgiven us. The two ways that we're called to forgive. When I think about how God has forgiven us, I think about, one, freely. God has forgiven us freely, amen? Now, here's how you know he's forgiven us freely. When I say freely, here's what I mean. Without any of your good doing, without any of your merits, without any of your works, even when we were in the wrong, he still did it anyway. That's what I mean when I say freely, that God has forgiven us freely. Here's the reality. None of us were alive when he made the decision to forgive you. It had to be free, right? Like God had to say, you know what? I'm going to forgive them even if they don't do a thing for me. So therefore, we're called to forgive people freely, right? Romans chapter 5 talks about this. It says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, God didn't love you when you got all cleaned up and holy and righteous and started coming to church. God loved you while. Say, everybody say while. while. God loved you while you were wilding out, while you were sinning, while you were making bad choices. God said, I love you enough to die for you. It was while we were enemies he reconciled us to God. Some of us, you're in here right now and you're an enemy to God. He loves you. You can reconcile that relationship by being forgiven today. Not only were we forgiven freely, friend, listen to me. Listen, this is good news. Ready? We were forgiven fully. We were forgiven fully. Amen? We were forgiven fully. The Lord forgives us freely. He forgives us fully. A complete Full forgiveness. The definition for fully means every offense. Our past offenses toward God, he's forgiven. Our present offenses toward God, he forgives. Our future offenses toward God, he's already paid for. Jesus doesn't need to die again in the future. He says it's finished. He's paid for it fully. We are forgiven fully in Christ. Notice how Ephesians says that, that as God in Christ has forgiven you. Don't miss the in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you're not forgiven. So you got to place yourself in Christ to experience forgiveness. And when you've experienced forgiveness, you'll forgive. You'll begin to just light, start exuding forgiveness. Start lighting up the room with forgiveness. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, God has forgiven us continuously he not only forgave us at the first of all of our sins, he continues daily to forgive, for the act of forgiveness is a continuous one. Friend, listen to me. Some people have wronged you. Keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. Until God stops forgiving you, which I don't, I don't find it, he's going to forgive us all the way to heaven. As hard as it is, Continue dispensing forgiveness toward one another. As hard as it may be, I know that there's some people that have hurt you. I, I, I'm, I'm not uh, ignorant to that. I've been hurt by people. But, but my calling is not to get bitter. My calling is to get better. I've found that I've gotten better over hurt when I've forgave. And, and really, that's not no secret sauce. That's just Ephesians 
That's just, people call today just regular Christianity radical. It's just a verse in Ephesians 4. Paul says, Ephesians, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another how God in Christ forgave you. My last verse, my last verse that I'll, I'll just show you on the screen that I just want to put on display for you. Isaiah 38, verse 17. It says, it says, in your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. Can anybody relate? I know I can relate to that. That God loved me enough to keep me from that pit that I would have walked into. You have put all my sins behind your back. Now, I know that there's some really flexible, ambidextrous people in the room. But right now, if you put something perfectly behind your back, you shouldn't be able to see it. You'll look kind of weird, you know. You can't see it. Here's the point. God puts our sin in a place where he'll never look at it again. It doesn't mean that God forgets because if he forgot, he would cease to be God. He chooses not to look at it. How are we called to forgive? You got to choose not to look at somebody for their past failures, but look at who they could become in Christ and look at people forgiven freely and fully because that's how God has forgiven you. Closing scripture and quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, he, he casts our sins behind his back. He, he blots them out. He says that though they be sought for, they shall not be found. Amen? They shall not be found. Let's pray and let's thank the Lord for his word. Father God.